0: Before we start, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you, sorry, by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app on your iOS device today, and you'll have the opportunity to chat with locked-on hosts every time they go live, and you may even get featured on a podcast. Everybody, welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, May 20th, 2021. This podcast is going to be up a little bit later than usual. Uh, Sometimes that bothers me. I'm going to give myself a mulligan on this one. And if you know anything about what's been going on the last 24 hours with me, uh, I think you'll probably understand. The last, I could live to be a thousand. And I don't think I will ever have a more bonkers 24 hours than uh, I've had over the last day or so. It has been absolutely wild. And in segment number three, I'm going to talk about all that. I'm going to talk about the future of this podcast and and everything in between and where we're going from here. But uh, for the time being, business as usual, I still have a job to do and I love being the host of Lockdown Tigers. So let's dive right in to what happened last night. The Detroit Tigers are one of the hottest teams in baseball. And I almost said that like with a question mark, trying not to believe it. But yeah, it's true. Tigers won 6-2 to last night. There's still 9 games under five hundred, but they've won 8 out of 10 games. A really good performance last night, a really good series. I mean, such a well-pitched series. The Tigers only gave up 8 hits over 3 games. I mean, you have one guy who throws a no-hitter. That's probably going to happen. But very, very impressive. And, and as always, I like to start with the guy who was on the mound for Detroit. Tarek Skubal got his first win this season. He's now 1-6 went 5 innings, 4 hits, 2 earned runs, 2 walks and 9 strikeouts, gave up a 2-run home run in the first inning. After that, I thought he was really rock solid. And what what had me very concerned and I've I've discussed it at length is that early on this season, he did not appear to have major league stuff. The fastball seemed flat. He was not it seemed like he'd gotten away from some of his breaking pitches and was really trying to dominate with that split changeup that he was throwing. It seems like he's gone away from overthinking. And I think that does become an issue when you're a young pitcher who maybe hasn't faced a ton of adversity, and you, you get into some trouble and you start to think, okay, what's wrong with me? What do I have to change? What do I have to change? When in reality, it's never been a matter of stuff. Now, he seemed injured or, or something, dead arm, earlier in the year. Stuff is back now, 99 miles per hour with the fastball in the first inning last night. I think as the weather gets warmer, I think so the fastball is going to get hot, hotter and higher as well, hopefully. And I give a lot of credit to the gentleman behind the plate last night, Eric Haas, because I think that during a lot of school ball starts, it has been difficult to detect what pitches have been working for him. It seems like he's kind of tried to Swiss Army knife this whole thing. Okay, uh, this isn't working. Let me try the changeup. Oh, this isn't working. Let me try the curveball. Oh, this isn't working. Let me try the slider. I think last night, Eric Haas, early on, picked up on the fact that scuba had a good feel for the slider last night the slider last night to me was the best he had thrown it since he's been at the major league level i thought it was really sharp he was getting a fair amount of swings and misses it is worth noting the mariners offense is not good and i complimented the mariners in my post game video last night i think that they're going to be good soon like i think their window of opportunity is going to be wide open going forward because you know the astros are kind of coming still kind of coming down and declining from that that golden age that they had they're still good you know the a's are always competitive the angels stink and mike trout's injured they're not they're not going to make the playoffs anytime soon. And then the other team in that division is the Rangers, who are still kind of rebuilding. I think the Mariners are going to have an opportunity to be pretty darn good in the near future, but they're just not there yet. And the Tigers took advantage of that uh, last night. I, I do think they'll be solid, though. I, I, I like that core that they have coming up through the system, including the pitcher, Logan Gilbert, who I'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, er, it seemed early on in the game, Haas detected that Screwball had a good feel for the slider. He was throwing it a lot. He was getting swings and misses with it. And then as the game went along, it seemed like he was bringing out the changeup a little bit more as things it progressed. It seemed like he had a better feel for that pitch. It was still a grind for him. You know, only five innings, still some command issues. I uh, I, I talked about this last night after the game, but I think that some of the issues that he's had with command are actually more mechanical. I want to say it was Jason Beck, who posted something a few weeks ago about Scooball's release point on a lot of his pitches, and it's been kind of off. And, and that is one of those things that you could probably get away with in the minor leagues. But hitters at the major league level are so smart, they're able to pick up on you know what what, what is the, the, the change-up uh, release point, what is the fastball release point, and, and you become a fairly predictable pitcher you know there's an easy tell there it's not like stealing signs or anything but it's just something that hitters notice and they take advantage of it I think last night the mechanics seemed a little bit more cleaned up which is good the stuff is obviously excellent and just in general there was a confidence to him last night that I think had been lacking one thing I've discussed about Mize and then one thing I've discussed about Scubal that really bothered me was I think if you want to be a good pitcher at the major league level you have to make yourself feel bigger and posing on the mound. Pedro Martinez was under six feet, and yet when he pitched with the stare-downs and the change-up, I mean, he had everything. Pedro Martinez, one of the greatest of all time. He felt like he was 7'5 out there, throwing fastballs down, down the middle. Guys were swinging and missing at it, throwing change-ups that guys were, were hacking at and, and missing. He was, he was electric. Like when Verlander was at his very best, which was often when he was in Detroit, it felt like everyone that was in the batter's box was just smaller than he was. And one thing that's bothered me about Scooball at the beginning of the season is that I've seen a lot of poor body language. He hasn't been pouting or anything like that. I'm not saying he's a detriment or something, but I've noticed a lot of slumped shoulders. He's clearly disappointed with how he's pitching, and hitters pick up on that. Like, body language does matter in life, and especially in baseball. So I I felt like last night showed a a heck of a lot more confidence, a definite step in the right direction for Tarek Skubal. I think he's really close. I really do. I think that one of his next few starts, he's going to have like a seven-inning, scoreless start, and then he's just going to turn a corner. The way that Myers did when he had that, those seven scoreless innings in Houston, I think Scoobal is going to have the same thing with Detroit here really soon, because I think the stuff is finally back to where it should be. What's important now is length. I want to see him go deeper and deeper into games, more than five innings. You know, be, Being able to go six, seven innings to start, they're trying to build this thing around starting pitching, and we know how suspect the bullpen is, so I want to see him get some more length. I want to see him go a little bit deeper in games, but besides that, nine strikeouts last night that's a career high over five innings he's going to be a guy at some point if he stays healthy he was going to strike out 200 batters a year if he stays healthy because his stuff is that good it's just a matter of of making sure that he's consistent enough with the mechanics and consistent enough with the strike throwing if that happens I still believe that he's going to be special so those are my thoughts on the pitching performance last night by the Tigers when I come back I'm going to talk about the offense and recap the rest of the game as well Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash lockdown mlb to get your first five thousand managed for free for life. Go to wealthfront.com slash lockdown mlb. That's W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash lockdown mlb to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash lockdown mlb and get started today. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Back for segment number two, Tigers completed a sweep of the Seattle Mariners yesterday. On the mound for Seattle was this kid, Logan Gilbert, making his second career start in the major leagues, and I was watching it, and I just flashed back to what we went through with Mize and Scooball last year. I think Logan Gilbert's going to be a really good pitcher. His stuff is explosive, really good curveball. I think he's going to be a rock-solid major league pitcher, but the, 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 the difference between AAA and the major leagues is so staggering. I would say that if you are a pitcher facing a good major league hitter, not even great, but a good major league hitter, like let's use Jamer Lario for an example, and you make five mistakes, he's hitting four of them and there's probably going to be a few home runs in there. In the minor leagues, every for every fifth mistake, you may give up a hit or a home run, but you can get away with stuff if you if your repertoire of pitches and your stuff in general is that overwhelmingly good. This guy has overwhelmingly good stuff. It had some command issues last night. Pitch count went way up early on. Didn't even make it through three innings. And just one thing I've noticed is more more consistency in regards to the approaches at the plate. I pointed this out when they played the Cubs last week, that it seemed like guys were going up there just hacking. When this team's been at their best this year, they've still struck out a lot, but the at-bats make more sense. Like You know what I mean by that? Because this is a team that has a lot of holes offensively. It is a team that has a lot of guys who are going to strike out. Even last night, they struck out a fair amount, but to be honest, and people don't like hearing this, and even to a certain extent, I don't like hearing this, but People freak out about strikeouts, and this is very much a generational thing. And when I watch games with my dad, he points this out as well. In the olden days, if you struck out a lot, you were a bad player, period. Like Nowadays, guys strike out 150 times a season and still get $200 million contracts. Strikeouts aren't as much of a detriment anymore as long as guys are hitting for power and getting on base. So the strikeouts don't necessarily bother me. What has bothered me in the past is the approaches. There's these games, like I remember the Kluber game in New York where they got shut out, and Kluber pitched great, threw a no-hitter last night, you know, and a phenomenal performance by him. But after the third inning, I'm like, all right, well, they're not going to score a run today. Because every at-bat feels the same. Every guy in this team feels lost. I think there's been more of a concerted effort to put in more consistent A-Bs to try to see the ball better, spot what a guy's throwing early on. And they did a good job last night of, of teeing off on Gilbert and taking advantage of some of those command issues. Offensively, five runs was enough. You know, Harold Castro is quickly becoming a player that Bailey, a.k.a. Foolish Baseball, needs to make a video about, honestly, because this guy is close to a 300 hitter and has been for you know, a fair amount of time in Detroit. He has zero power. None. None. I mean, right now the guy's hitting 343 and the OPS is only 736. Like, uh, that that's thats insane to me. Like, uh, like, Tim Anderson, one of my favorite players, wouldn't know a walk if it hit him, hits like 300 every year and still has like an 850, almost 900 OPS. To have that good of an average and that low of an OPS shows that you have no power, but I just brought up the strikeouts. That's a guy who doesn't strike out. Good things do happen when the ball gets put in play. And yes, more good things happen when you hit the ball over the fence, but you do need a couple guys in your lineup who are just those contact guys. Do I think that he's some star player? Absolutely not. I mean, it's crazy that any team is batting him second, but it's working. He had three hits and three RBIs last night. So, uh, a nice little story. One thing I, I gushed about in my, the video I made last night, and this made me so happy. First of all, great work by the bullpen last night. Four innings, three strikeouts, only one hit, no runs, no walks. Great work. And I do think that there's some guys in that pen who are starting to find it a little bit, but Michael Falmer was used in the eighth inning. Now, Michael Falmer is this team's best reliever. A.J. Hinch has quickly realized that Michael Falmer is this team's best reliever. He, he did not pull an Osmus and throw a terrible closer out there just to get bombed and, and then say, okay, maybe we should make a change. No, he saw that, that Falmer was pitching the most consistent baseball, and he's their best reliever. So what did he do last night in a 5-2 game? He used him in the eighth inning, and that, that made me so happy because the reason why that is cool Is because in the eighth inning, the Mariners had the top of the order due up. Now, Soto looked really good in the ninth last night, but let's say Soto comes out there in the eighth inning, walks two, strikes a guy out, then gives up an RBI double, let's say. Now all of a sudden you have a tying run at second, and he's still in the game and kind of flailing. The idea behind that, the reasoning behind that logic is that you use your best reliever. Against their best hitters, the one, two, three, and that lineup. And you know what? Fulmer got into a little bit of trouble, got out of the inning. The stuff looked phenomenal. It looks as good as I've seen it in several years. Soto came in in the ninth, looked great, went one, two, three. I think the idea of, of a closer to me, a closer simply means your best reliever. And you your best reliever does not have to be used in the ninth inning. And that archaic way of thinking that every Tigers manager ever has had has gotten them into so much trouble. I mean, so much trouble. It, it They got into trouble with it with Benoit. They got into trouble with with Jabba Chamberlain. They lost a, a playoff series because of that. Why? Because Jabba was the 8th inning guy. No, screw that. This whole idea of of, of certified roles. This guy's the 7th. This guy's the 8th. This guy's the ninth. Use common sense and use the matchups. And A.J. Hinch is just a smart man and a good manager. A manager cannot win you a game single-handedly. The, the same way that a coach cannot win you a game in, in basketball or football. But they can sure have Help. and they can sure make things a lot easier because who knows what Soto would have done in the eighth inning. I think that it was a little bit more comfortable for him that he's facing the bottom of the order yesterday only through nine pitches, seven of them strikes, the best he's looked in a while. That made me extremely happy. This team has now won eight out of 10 games. They're nine and seven over their last 16. It's better baseball. It, it really is. The, the approaches, the at-bats are better. Even when they're striking out, I've noticed a, a better, better ABs all around. The pitching is pretty darn good. This is more in line with the team I hope that we would see, which is a team that is so heavily flawed, full of holes, holes that they cannot plug up this year. It will take time for for, for them to, to correct some of the mistakes in that lineup. But there's going to be nights, and we just saw three of them in a row where they're going to have the ability to just outpitch another team. And, and I, I think that that is going to be fun to watch. I mean, the, what we just saw in Seattle, my hope is that going forward over the next s- several years, we see that a lot. Mize had an unbelievable start. It was the best he's looked. Turnbull throws a no-hitter. I mean, those are that's remarkable circumstances. That's obviously not going to happen. Scooball went out there, got the win. Yeah, only five innings, but the bullpen did the rest, pitched some good baseball. Uh, that's what I think this team can be capable of doing. Like, over the last several years, we've become accustomed to playing good teams or playing average teams in a three-game series and it was a surprise when they won one game that typically is not the case for most major league teams like you have to be a, a very rare level of awful to be as consistently swept as the tigers ha- have been over the last several years the tigers went 1-18 against cleveland two years ago good cleveland team right some great pitching but that team didn't even make the playoffs. It's not like they were playing the the, the 98 Yankees and getting popped. They were playing a 93-win team that didn't even make the postseason. That's how bad they've been. This should be a team at this point in the rebuild that is capable of beating teams that are almost as good or, or a little bit worse than them. And I think over the last 16 games or so, we've seen that. Some really nice uh, games, some nice comebacks, that walk-off win in Chicago. Now, the sweep in Seattle. So that'll do it for segment number two. When I come back for segment number three, we're going to preview tonight's matchup, first game of the series against the Royals, and I'm going to give you a little update regarding the future of this podcast. We'll be right back. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. Hey, welcome back, everybody. The Tigers don't play tonight. That was a uh, a total misfire on my part, so I apologize for that uh, with the rules being what they are. No game tonight means no show tomorrow, so I'm not going to preview Friday's game, but I am going to talk a little bit here in this final segment about the future of this podcast. Um, I will say this because I've been teasing an announcement over the last several days And it was uh, an opportunity with another uh, sports media company. And I was ready. I was about to sign the deal. And yesterday morning, following Spencer Turnbull's no-hitter, Dave Portnoy reached out to me about a job opportunity. All of this happened in the span of about six, seven hours. And uh, as you saw about my video where I slobbered all over myself, uh, I have now um, officially become an employee of Barstool Sports. That does mean that next week will be the final week uh, with me as the host of Locked On Tigers. I want to say, and this will not be the last time that I'm going to say this, but I'm going to be repeating it a lot. Uh, I have truly enjoyed my time here doing this. Locked On is a wonderful network. That is going to grow rapidly. There are so many genuinely nice and talented people, and even as I go forth uh, onto the Barstool world, I will continue to sing the praises of the people who work on this network. They have been very inclusive. They've been very kind to me. Uh, in the, the reception since I, I got the job with Barstool has been unbelievable, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rooting for this network. This was a professional decision that made the most sense personally and made the most sense financially. There is absolutely Zero. I I mean, there's negative ill will towards uh, Lockdown. This was simply a decision that made the most sense for me at this time. I'm so proud to have been a part of this. I think that this podcast has gotten better and better, and I think we've started to flourish uh, over the last year. It was not always easy doing shows, and I picked a bad time to become a part of this network. I did, because about a few weeks into doing this program, the pandemic hit, and the entire world was turned upside down, and uh, as much as I wish it wouldn't have happened, in, in the long run, I felt like as a person, uh, I became a, a smarter host uh, go, since then. I, I feel like I have uh, learned more in regards to empathy. I've, I've taken in uh, the information that's been given, and I have not been— I, I, still get, I still get angry, and I still get outraged, obviously. You guys know this, but um, I, I have a lot more fun with it than I used to. It's not a personal thing anymore. It's a professional thing that I really, really enjoy doing. Uh, I do not know who the next host— of this podcast is going to be. Uh, a lot of things are up in the air. Whoever it is, uh, they are welcome to reach out to me, and I would be happy to give them my blessing, truly, because I, I think that they will do a wonderful job. I My goal from the beginning with this was to leave the podcast in better shape than uh, how it was when I I started doing this and Chris Brown was the host previously who's now now doing such a wonderful job with Regelio on, um, on the Tigers S- SRD report uh, and, and I'm happy to see that, that product flourishing as well. I believe that I have uh, carried on that torch, carried on that legacy and I know the next person is going to do the exact same. I'm very proud to have been a part of this network and I got one more week's worth of shows and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I have the best show possible, the best product. I'm going to try to go about things as professionally as possible The way that I've done since the beginning, Uh, this will not be the last time that I will say this. Uh, I've said it already a million times and and to the point where it just, I I wish I could say more, but thank you. Thank you to the people who've listened to this show. Thank you to the people who have supported this product and supported what what I've done here, the positive reviews, the positive feedback. It, it, we live in a world that can be very, very cruel and very, very brutal at times, and you have all been extremely kind to me over these last, what is it, 13, 14 months that I've been doing this podcast, and I this is not the last time I'm going to thank you, and I also want to thank the people who have reached out uh, since I, I became employed by Barstool. Uh, it has been Overwhelming is the word that comes to mind. I'm I've heard from people that I haven't heard from in years. I've heard from strangers, and I've tried to get back to as many people as I can. But it is very, very difficult. At points, it's scary because it's just so many replies in your face. And um, but but it's very humbling and very meaningful. Th- this will be the last thing I, I say, and then then we'll get out of here for today. But I've mentioned this before. There's a reason why I mention, why. There's a reason why I say go Tigers at the end of every podcast. And that is me circling back around to the love that I have for this team. And and I hope going forward, whoever hosts this podcast next maintains that hope, even if it is just blind faith. As critical as I am of this team, as angry as I get sometimes, I'm always there the next night. I always am ready for the next game. I know they can win the next game. Sometimes they do. Often they don't. But ending it with, with, with Go Tigers lets you guys know that I'm always here for this team, and I will always stand by this team. There will never be a plan B. I will always be a Tigers fan at heart, forever and ever. I'll probably get buried in my Detroit Tigers cap one day, quite honestly. So uh, I know I'm rambling now, but it's been an extremely humbling and overwhelming last 24 hours, and I haven't really had a chance to open up about it. So thank you so much. Thank you to the people at Barstool um, for, and Dave for reaching out. This is this is so surreal, and, and I can't wait to get started. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C I S T E L L 2 You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much much appreciated. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. I will be back here next week. No show tomorrow because of no game today. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and as always, go Tigers! We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts.